Sheila Hamilton. Welcome back to Beyond Well. This is a program for people who want to learn more about our interior lives. We're back with Dr. Stephen Batosh. He is with the Batosh Endoscopic Weight Loss Center, and we've been having such an incredible conversation about some of the new drugs that have been helping people with weight loss, obesity. I now want to talk about some of the concerns that we're seeing. So Dr. Batosh, the first thing that I think comes up to people is, will I have to stay on this drug forever? Because Obviously, if you're controlling all of these hormones in your brain and then suddenly you're not, you might get very, very hungry again. So that's a very astute observation. And the answer is most likely you will need to stay on them forever. Remember that the effects of these medications are transient. They don't fix the problem. They just uh, temporarily make it better. And once the effect of these medications wears off, uh, you're going to go back to your pre-medication levels of hunger, pre-medication levels of how long the food actually stays in your stomach. And some people think that you may even overshoot in the other direction. You have to look at obesity as a chronic disease. It is not something that, uh, you know, sometimes patients very frequently will come to me and what they want is they want to make a bargain with me. I will do what you want me to do or I will take this medication for two months, three months, six months. But then when I've done what I had to, I don't want to take it anymore. And that really misses the point because uh, just like high blood pressure, just like diabetes, obesity is a chronic disease. Now, nobody would ever argue with me that I'm going to stop my diabetic medications, I'm going to stop my blood pressure medications, and I expect my blood pressure and diabetes to go away. Nobody would argue that. But they constantly argue with me about these weight loss medications. In order for them to be effective, they are only effective while they are in your body. When they wash out of your body, you're going to revert back to your original state. Essentially, what we see is that when most people stop the medications, they will regain the weight. That's why it's important to understand that even when you're taking the medication, just taking the medication is not sufficient. You have to pair this with nutritional counseling and coaching where they have to teach you how to eat healthy and what kind of portions you should be eating. If you just want to take medication and you don't want to think about anything else, your success rate isn't going to be great. It's probably going to be close to zero. Um, talk to me about the link between some suicidal tendencies and these new class of weight loss medicines. I personally have not seen any links in our patients. And we have, I would say, the busiest, our facilities, the busiest in the world in doing uh, endoscopic procedures for weight loss. No one else is even close to us. So I personally have not seen that. There have been some concerns out of uh, Canada and I believe UK where uh, some patients complained that, uh, well, I was taking these medications and I had suicidal thoughts. Mm. Now, uh, no one has done any studies on this. Mm. Uh, no one has shown any causality. What we have to understand is that uh, a very large percent of patients who have issues with their weight also have depression, anxiety disorders, all sorts of mood disorders. 
I'm sure that in a population that has such a penetration of mood disorders, someone may have ideation like that. But uh, I don't think that anyone has shown any causality. And my very thorough review of what has come up is that it's just some isolated complaints from patients. But it wouldn't shock me. I mean, uh, if a lot, you know, in such a large number of people, some people will have those kind of ideations. Um, talk to me about the different way that Ozempic and Wagovi and some of the newer generation of drugs impact people of different ages and different weights. Is there anything you should be concerned about? Like, is there a, an age range that this is particularly good for or not um, intended for? That's a very interesting question. And I will tell you that um, in terms of the endoscopic weight loss procedures, and as well as surgical procedures for weight loss, it is very strongly believed that anybody at any age will benefit from those procedures because essentially what you're doing is losing weight. Mm -hmm. There have been some recent studies that came out of Saudi Arabia that looked uh, at a very large number of not just adults, but also adolescents, kids uh, in the age range of 12 to 19. And they found that the effects of those procedures, whether they're endoscopic or surgical, uh, are just as good in children as they are in adults. I don't go down to the age of 12, but I go down to the age of about 15 or 16 in terms of whom I will treat. In my extensive experience, I can tell you that both adolescents and adults react very well to medications. And I would go further by saying that in an older group of patients who have a lot of comorbidities, let's say heart disease, lung disease, kidney issues, where they're really unstable to undergo any procedure that involves anesthesia, I think that these medications are a godsend. Yeah. Because I see almost no downside to it. I mean, you know, there's a reason why I say almost, because in a second, we're going to discuss some of the complications or the uh, side effects. But in an older person who is otherwise not healthy enough to undergo any kind of anesthesia, but they nevertheless need to lose weight, those medications are really godsend. And so let's do talk about the common side effects and perhaps management of those, and then which side effects would be considered worrisome. Sure. So uh, when I see a patient whom I want to start on one of these medications, you have to get a family history first. So the company, uh, Novo Nordisk uh, and Eli Lilly, Eli Lilly makes Manjaro, Novo Nordisk makes Ozempic and Wigovi. They've done extensive testing before they were approved by the FDA. So the first thing I ask a person is, is there any history of medullary thyroid cancer in your family? And if there is, then that person is not an appropriate person for this medication. However, medullary thyroid cancer is relatively rare. Uh, If a person is going to have thyroid cancer, most of the time it's going to be papillary thyroid cancer. And in those patients, that's okay. But if there's a strong history of medullary thyroid cancer in the family, and when I say family, I mean immediate family, parents, siblings, children, I would not use the medication. Because uh, at least in rats, there have been some studies where the uh, C cells, their number can grow up significantly when you take these medications. Now, whether that translates into human beings, I'm not sure. I don't think so. 
But nevertheless, that is what these companies recommend. Number two, if somebody has uh, a history of what we call a multiple endocrine neoplasia type two, so essentially it's somebody with medullary thyroid cancer and uh, pheochromocytomas and some uh, parathyroid tumors, those are not patients that you want to use this medication for. I can tell you that I've been practicing medicine for over 30 years. I personally have never taken care of a patient who had multiple endocrine neoplasia. Number three, somebody who has a personal history of pancreatitis. These medications, the Ozempic or the Munjaro, Wigovi, they induce weight loss. So if someone has a prior history of pancreatitis, we don't really want to use them in these patients. Why? Because these medications have been shown to also cause pancreatitis. So perhaps we're identifying a person who has a higher incidence of drug-related pancreatitis. Now, having said that, I personally don't believe that these drugs cause pancreatitis. What causes pancreatitis and gallstones is weight loss. So uh, it's been known for many, many decades that when people lose weight quickly, they are at risk for gallstones and for gallstone pancreatitis. But in our society, there's a a tendency to always, we we need someone to blame. So now instead of blaming weight loss, we're blaming the drug. But nevertheless, if somebody has history of pancreatitis, I probably would not use the medication. Now, once I've gone through this, and I know that uh, my patients do not fall into any of these categories, then I think that it's safe to use it. The ideal patient is not someone who is thin and just needs to knock off 10 pounds. In my experience, in those people, the medications do not work as well. Mm -hmm. Although I know that a lot of people have tried that in that scenario. Some have been successful and some have not been. I personally wouldn't try it in a person like that because I think that these medications should be reserved for people who are bigger. Usually, let's say BMI greater than 30 or somebody with a BMI of greater than 27 who has some kind of a comorbidity like diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, um, severe sleep apnea. But in my experience, the, uh, the bigger a person is, the better these medications work. And do they end up having a kind of a slowing effect? Do you see people's weight loss slowing or is it pretty even? It depends on if you've reached the um, effective dosage or not. So Ah. very frequently people will come to me and they will say, listen, I already tried Ozempic. It did nothing for me. Yeah. And then when I delve into it a little bit deeper, what I'll find out is that they tried the lowest dosage once or twice and it did nothing for them. And the dosage was never increased. What I try to explain to my patients is that we're going to titrate the medication. I'm going to start you off at the lowest dosage. And then every four weeks, depending on how your body reacts to the medication, I will keep increasing the dosage until I hit the dosage that is effective for you. The effective dosage for different people is different. So I have people who respond very positively to the lowest dosage, and I'll have people who don't respond, who literally feel nothing until we've raised the dosage two or three times. So a lot of this depends on your baseline gastric emptying. So when we eat, most solid food fits in your stomach, 
And the stomach has really two functions. One is to take big chunks of food and to mechanically break it into smaller chunks, number one. And once the food has been transformed into a smaller bolus, it is moved out of the stomach into the small intestine to affect absorption of nutrients and the digestion process. Yeah. So, for example, if somebody has a perfect emptying of their stomach contents, they will respond to these medications the best. Ah. If you have somebody who at baseline already has a delay in their emptying of stomach contents, even the lowest dosage is going to make their head feel like it's ready to explode. So we're all different. In the ideal world, we would first measure the gastric emptying in every single patient, and then we would make decisions about whether we should give them these medications or what doses we should give them. But we don't live in the ideal world, unfortunately. Yeah. So what side effects? How do I know that I've reached my effective dosage? So if I take my lowest dosage of medication and I feel nothing, yeah. that means that's not the right dosage. So I keep increasing. And once we hit the effective dosage, essentially the person will tell me, oh, wow, now I feel like my stomach or my chest is ready to explode. It feels full. And then I feel full for hours. Mm -hmm. uh, they may have some heartburn. Uh, there may be some nausea and the occasional vomiting. Mm. Okay. Once we've hit the effective dose, these side effects usually will get better as you continue taking the medication. Yeah. But that's how we know that we've received the effective dosage. And I very clearly tell my patients, if you're going to overeat, if you're going to pig out while you're on this medication, you're going to feel awful. And wow. it's not going to be awful for half an hour or an hour. You're going to feel awful for like three or four days. Wow. So, you know, a lot of patients tell me, I still have the desire to eat, but I'm afraid because I know what happened once when I overdid it. Yeah. Okay. We are at our time and I have enjoyed this conversation so much. Dr. Steven Batosh, it was a delight to talk with you. Thank you again. My pleasure to meet you and I hope to see you in person real yep. soon.